Welcome to HeyYA Extra Credit. Every other week opposite the main HeyYA podcast will bring you a short form podcast of YA talk across a wide range of topics. I'm Erica Ezenfetti. And I love graphic novels. If you listen to the show, you know I'm always talking about them. And I have been reading even more than usual lately. I've come across some really great ones that feature queer characters, and I wanted to share a few of them with you today. Before we get into that, though, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we've also got a newsletter on Substack you need to check out. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you about it real quick fast and then we'll get into some queer graphic novels. So it's called The Deep Dive, and if fascinating stories inform takes useful advice from our treasure trove of book professionals, librarians, and the like sounds interesting to you, then you'll love it. So far we've had things like a look at Mexican history through Like Water for Chocolate, a journey through the rabbit hole that is Scratch and Sniff Publishing, and lots more. And your first read is free, and it is a power reader's guide to reading logs and trackers. There will be a link to it in the show notes, so definitely check that out. Okay, so queer graphic novels. Yes, I'm highlighting queer graphic novels, yes, because it's Pride Month, but also because I like reading them like outside of Pride Month, during Pride Month, whenever. So the first one I have is a manga by Keito Gaku. It's titled Boys Run the Riot. And this is something that's on a topic I really feel like I don't read much. Not the queer aspect of it, but it follows these teenagers who are trying to start a fashion label. Okay, so let me get into it. So Rio is in high school and has known for a while that he's really a boy inside, but can't tell anyone. And early on, we learn that he's had a crush on a friend of his for a while, but definitely can't tell her that either. There are all these things stacked against Rio in terms of him feeling comfortable with himself while at school. But one of the biggest things that alienates him is the school uniform requirement. So this is a manga. 
by a Japanese manga artist or mangaka if you want to get real technical with it. So this is in Japan. So schools require uniforms there. So since Ryo was born a girl, he is supposed to wear skirts, but wearing boys and men's clothing is what makes him feel comfortable, makes him feel the most like himself. And Ryo is actually pretty stylish. Like, I didn't develop a sense of style this early, let me just say. So stylish is he, in fact, that another student notices. An older student, Jin, gets introduced to the class, and Ryo is kind of like, we're going to be real. Ryo's the main character. He's this trans boy, and he's a little judgmental. And it's interesting. It's understandable in many ways. I think he's projecting. We're going to see. I'm going to tell you a little more about it, though. Ryo notices that not only is Jin acting like kind of just like like too cool for school in a way, but he's kind of genuine with it. Like he doesn't think he's better than anyone, but he also is maybe like a little cringy and he's repeating a grade and all this stuff. But he wears what he wants. And like I said, Ryo thinks he's a little cringy. But then the two of them run into each other at a pop-up shop for a brand that it's like a brand that people who are really into fashion are into. I wouldn't know these things. Um, but that type of, you know, like the sneaker heads, the people who like stay, stand in line for hours for like a sneaker release and stuff like that. So Rio, again, not really feeling Jin, doesn't care for this chance encounter. But the next day, Jin approaches Ryo and suggests they start a fashion brand together since when they were at the pop-up shop, they had reached for the same shirt at the same time. And again, at first, Ryo is like, um, no, girl, because it seems so sudden, but he eventually warms up to the idea. So Ryo is still struggling with the idea of being himself and doesn't want to stand out in any extra ways since his classmates already say he should act more like a lady and think he's weird. So this leads to what I think was Ryo treating Jin poorly as a friend. But Jin is actually pretty understanding and immediately accepts Ryo as a boy when he confesses to him that he is a boy inside. So the two do eventually start to set out on making their fashion brand. And Rio continues to try to be himself. And the story that follows Rio's struggles as a trans teen boy. But a lot of the story is actually about them trying to start their brand. And it is really interesting. It is a manga again. So it is the usual black and white. And the art style is really nice. It's definitely one of my favorite manga styles I've come across recently. And when I say um, earlier, I said that it's not a story, the type of story I typically reach for. I feel like I'm very like all or nothing. Like I like slice of life stuff where it's just like chill and people are doing day to day stuff or like really heavy fantasy, fantastical, weird stuff. I feel like this is somewhat slice of life in a way, but it's just like characters starting a fashion brand is just not something I would typically pick up, but it really works out. So I definitely recommend it. Again, that is Boys Run the Riot by Kaito Gaku. Next up, I have Bingo Love by T. Franklin, illustrated by Jen St. Ange and Joy San. So in this one, it's the 60s and Hazel and Mari are in middle school. I want to say, yeah, around middle school. It wasn't overtly stated at first, so that's why I'm a little fuzzy on the details in the beginning. So they first meet at church bingo. Now, when Hazel first sees Mari, honey, she is smitten like a kitten. 
Luckily, the next day, Mari gets introduced to our class and the teacher asks Hazel to show Mari around, make her feel comfortable. So that's beyond perfect. Uh, turns out Mari is new to school because her family just moved from California to New Jersey. And Hazel, you know, like I said, happily shows her around even outside of school. And the two grow close and grow up with each other. And then one day Mari gets into a fight with her grandmother at church bingo of all places over she gets into a fight with her over how much time she spends with hazel like her grandmother is like why you're always with this girl you know you can't marry her right and then mari goes off so this culminates in mari storming out of bingo just as someone shouts bingo which is peak comedy not the fighting homophobic part obviously the bingo shouting in the background so Mari runs out to the front of the church to cry. Hazel catches up to her. She tries to comfort her. And in a really intense emotional moment, they end up kissing in front of the church, honey. So, okay. So finally, after years of being friends, they let each other know how they feel. And this also leads to them kissing in front of Mari's granny's house, her granny seeing, and subsequent the subsequent splitting of them up, the very homophobic splitting up because... Hazel kind of brushes off the incident and she's like, oh, I'll just see Mari at school. You know, we'll be more careful, stuff like that. But she doesn't see Mari at school the next day. She goes to her house and like climbs up her tree, basically, and is like, girl, what's going on? And Mari says she's being kicked out. Um, She has to move down south and marry this preacher her family found for her. And she has to do that or else they'll disown her. So really terrible, really sad and tragic and awful. And this type of thing happens back then all the time. And it actually still happens. I don't know about the marriage arrangement, but queer kids being kicked out of their houses. Yes. So Hazel also gets pressured into marrying an Air Force pilot the next year. Her dad found out about her and Mari's kiss because Mari's grandmother told her parents. And he was not happy about that. So Hazel is narrating some of the story and shows how through the years she started off being kind of happy with her husband. They had a lot of kids. She liked being a mother, but it was also exhausting and she didn't have time to do stuff she wanted to do. And eventually she's real about how she isn't the happiest. Well, honey, decades later, she runs into a certain someone who she met in a church bingo hall when she was a kid. Wink, 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 hint, hint. And drama ensues. So this was a sweet story that tended towards the dramatic at times, as I just mentioned. I really love the art style, which features very rounded, cute characters of all different kinds of skin tones. So it's very representative. Um, Again, that is Bingo Love by T. Franklin, illustrated by Jen St. Ange and Joy San. Last I have... Bell of the Ball by Mary Costa. This one opens up on a cheer rehearsal on the school field, and we're shown this gigantic cat head peeking around the corner of the bleachers, which is a little sus, to say the least. So we see who appears to be this cheerleader captain closing out practice, and the owner of the large cat head, the cat mascot, walks over to her. So the person in the costume asks the cheerleader captain, whose name is Gina, out to the dance, to which Gina is like, Girl, you didn't know I had a girlfriend? Said girlfriend walks up as if on cue. And Gina and her messy behind tells her girlfriend, Chloe, that this other girl, the one in the cat mascot costume, was just asking her out to the dance. Like, girl, you didn't even have to do all that. 
But Gina is a messy queen, as you'll hear more of in a second. So Gina leaves. Chloe basically lifts up Hawkins. Hawkins is our mascot cat friend. Lifts her up by the collar, all threateningly like, and it's like, she's like, stay away from my girl. It's all very dramatic, as I like. So we get to know more about Gina and Chloe's relationship. We find out that Gina is this very popular girl in school who has like the best grades. She also has a 10-year plan, which bless her because I'm lucky if I know what I'm going to eat the next day. So this girl has, this high schooler has a 10-year plan, which includes Chloe, her girlfriend, and involves them both going to college. But Gina is understandably a little worried about how everything is going to work out because Chloe is a little too relaxed. Chloe, by the way, is low-key this like stereotypical jock character. She's like taller than Gina. She plays sports. She likes video games. She isn't super into school. And she may or may not be doing poorly in English. No, she definitely is. Because when Gina finds out about her poor grades, she demands Chloe get an English tutor. So as to not ruin, again, their 10-year plan because Gina can't do it herself because she's too busy being fabulous and being herself, whatever. So then Gina gets it into her messy, controlling head that Hawkins, again, the cat mascot girl from the beginning who hit on her. So this girl, this girl should tutor Chloe because they find out Hawkins is a pretty affordable English tutor when they uh, Gina does a little quick little search. And she's also in Chloe's class. And Gina thinks that she can, <laughs> Gina thinks that Hawkins will agree to it because Hawkins likes Gina. So it's kind of manipulative right there. So, and then Chloe is like, when Gina makes a suggestion, Chloe's like, girl, be for real. Like this girl tried to hit on you, but Gina has got it all figured out, you see. And the two go forward with the plan. So Chloe goes for it, as does Hawkins, and turns out the two knew each other when they were younger, when Hawkins wore Belle of the ball title. (laughs) Belle used to wear princess dresses to school all the time. And as the story progresses, a love triangle develops, and not between who you think, okay? Little plot twist for you. So this one has another great art style that I wasn't sure I'd like because like looking at the cover, reading reviews, it's like, oh, it's pink. It's like shades of pink. And I was like, would I like that? But actually it turns out I do like that. I like that a lot. It's basically just different shades of pink, white, and some brown, like like a little light brown, like pinkish brown with some with dark lines, like black lines. But I really I really do like it. The art style, the re- it reminds me of Steven Universe. But the color palette reminds me of Laura Olympus a little bit, probably because of all the pink, like Laura Olympus. If you've read it, you know, it's not all pink. It's not a YA title. But in case you have read it, it's not all pink. But I think I was thinking of it because Penelope in it is pink. So also it has some genuinely chuckle worthy moments. I like I, I really like the way the artist captures the humor visually. And there are plenty of like funny, like funny slash giggly moments. So it's a good one. I think you'll like it. Again, Bell of the Ball by Marie Costa. So that's all I have for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in as well as our sponsor for making the day show possible. You can find me on Twitter for now, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) 
LOL. At Erica underscore easy E underscore. Big shout out to Jen Zink, our audio editor, for making me sound great. I appreciate you, okay? We'll see you next week on the main podcast where I will be joined by Tears of Price. Until next week, happy reading. Happy reading.